There is an old hymn that we sing at the Lord's Supper. Tell me the old, old story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story simply as to a little child, for I am weak and weary and helpless and defiled. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. This morning, we are gathered here to celebrate Easter Sunday, the day of our Lord's resurrection. And though the story is old and has been told millions of times to the saints of God, it never grows old, but instead rejuvenates our souls as we with grateful hearts sing this old story of Jesus and his love. Our text for this morning's message comes from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 34. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 34. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. We have here recorded for us in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, verse 34, the most precious words that a sinner will ever hear. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This morning we have been listening to and singing some beautiful hymns about our Savior and his love for each and every one of us as demonstrated through his sacrifice on Calvary's cross. The scriptures read to us this morning also speak to us about the kindness of God in sending his own son to take our punishment for our sins because we would never have been able to do it ourselves. And yet, even though Good Friday and Easter Monday are celebrated every year around the world, there is still a tragic misunderstanding of Calvary. For if what happened at Calvary is not properly understood and applied to a personal level, then one's soul is still lost and without hope. And so with God's grace and help, I hope to expound the text before us this morning, simply and clearly revealing the significance of Christ's death to the world and his resurrection. And so the first point in our message this morning is the person of Christ. Now, the person who prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, was no ordinary man. He was Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. 
The Gospel of John begins in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John 1.14. And then in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 to 16, the Apostle Paul testifies that Jesus Christ is very God himself when he writes, He, that is Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And then in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, we read this most significant fact. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoken time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and as Son of God, he is very God himself, who had no beginning and has no ending. The Gospel of Mark clearly demonstrates his divinity in action. In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 39, Christ stills the angry seas and fierce winds simply by the power of his word, peace, be still. And when his disciples witnessed this great miracle, they feared, saying one to another, What manner of man is this that even the sea, the wind and the sea obey him? He, as Son of God, has authority over nature. Later in Mark 5, verses 1 to 20, we read about the account of Jesus confronting the demoniacs of the Gadarenes, where he releases from bondage a demon-possessed man. Christ simply said, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And, say the scriptures, that all the demons came out and later entered a herd of swine, some 3,000 in number, driving them over a steep cliff to their deaths. Jesus, as Son of God, has authority over the spirit world, which includes angels and demons and the devil himself. 
Further on in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 25 to 34, we read that this same Jesus has power to heal all manner of sicknesses and disease. Time after time, he healed the sick, restored sight to the blind, made the lame to walk, raised the dead. He had power to heal, and he had power to give life. So as the Son of God, he was and is very God himself. But the Jesus Christ of the Bible is also called the Son of Man. He was perfectly God and perfectly man at the same time. The scriptures tell us that he was born of a virgin in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 21, a prophecy fulfilled by or from Isaiah 7, 14. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. No other child had ever born in this, been born in this fashion before without an earthly father, nor would ever be again. This was the incarnation of God. God manifested in the flesh. Had Christ not been born man, he could not be qualified to redeem man. He could not die. Had he not been perfectly without sin and the sin nature, incapable of sinning, then his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary would have been blemished and unacceptable to a holy and a righteous God, his Father. Nevertheless, as a perfect, sinless man, Jesus Christ experienced the same attributes as we do. He at times was hungry, as in Luke 4, verse 2. He at times was thirsty, as on the cross in his dying moments, in John 19, 28. He, like us, experienced sorrow and grief, and he wept, as in John 11, verse 35, when his good friend Lazarus died. Also a son of man, he bled and felt pain. When he was scourged by the cruel Roman whip with sharp bones and metal bits tied in the ends, his back was cut to shreds. Blood flowed from him profusely. When the soldiers nailed him to the cross by his hands and his feet, blood flowed once again. There was excruciating pain and agony and much physical suffering. That is why Jesus had to be fully man, so that he could die on that cross and take the penalty for your sins and for mine. That was the just demand for sin, death. Romans 6.23 declares, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But dearly beloved, that is not all. Had Jesus died on the cross as a result of the punishment by Roman soldiers, it would have been in vain. You see, that was what he suffered at the hands of wicked and sinful men. God, who is righteous and holy, would never have received that punishment at the hands of men as a just payment for sin. God the Father had to himself heap 
the just payment for our sins upon his own son. Oh, do we grasp that awful truth. God the Father would himself punish Jesus Christ in full. And that's why at 12 o'clock on that awful Wednesday afternoon, the day before the three Sabbaths in a row were to begin, why God made darkness appear over all the land until three o'clock when Jesus finally died. And during those three hours, God the Father punished Jesus Christ for the sins of the entire world. Your sins and my sins were placed on the shoulders of Christ and they were judged once and for all. They were judged fully, righteously, and permanently. Isaiah 53 verses 4 to 5 tells us, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And then in Isaiah 53.10 we read, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. His soul was made an offering for our sins. And as that happened, God the Father in that dark and dreadful moment turned away from his Son. God the Father separated himself from all of your sins and all of my sins laid upon Jesus because sin, even one, separates us from God. And for the first time in eternity past, the Son of God experienced something he had never experienced before, separation from God his Father. That is why he cried out in Matthew fifteen thirty four, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus Christ was forsaken on the cruel cross of Calvary for those three dreadful hours so that you and I might never be forsaken. And when the work on Calvary's cross was completed, when the just penalty for all our sins was fully met, Jesus cried out in John 19.30, It is finished. And what he was saying was this, Father, I have finished everything that you have asked of me. I have shed my blood so that all of their sins might be washed away. The penalty that you have demanded of them has been paid in full, by me. It is finished. So now those beautiful words in Luke 23 verse 34 can be fully answered and appreciated. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And as we read the rest of the story, we see that God the Father, fully satisfied with his only begotten Son's sacrifice on Calvary's cross, raised him from the dead three days later, early Sunday morning. Jesus, 
is risen from the dead. He is also alive and forevermore and is seated on the right hand of God the Father, receiving and saving all sinners who will come to him by faith. Oh, dear friend, I ask you this morning this most solemn question. Have all of your sins been forgiven by what Jesus has done for you? Or are you hoping to deal with them in some other way? The Bible clearly teaches in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. If you have not received Christ yet as your perfect sacrifice for all of your sins, I plead with you while there is still yet time to do so. And do not think for a moment that God will accept you or me any other way than through Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Everything has been done. There is nothing left for you or me to do except to make that decision of trusting Christ and Christ alone for our salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved.